Welcome to Bible study. This is Nick Rita, your host. Thank you for tuning in. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the program. Please stay with us for this hour as we are about to open the Bible again. And we are going to look into a wonderful book of the Bible, the Psalms. My dear friend, you can be part of this program. Please don't hesitate to send us a text message with uh, your thoughts, maybe a comment to the topic, prayer request. The number where you can send us text messages, it's 04-8209-8883. On this number, we'll have a special offer for you today. Please uh, jot it down because... Uh, We'll come a little bit later to talk about the offer which we have for today. But first of all, I would like to say hello and Happy New Year to all our uh, panel. I will start here with uh, Jerry. I hope you had a good break and welcome back. Thank you very much, Nick. It's a privilege to be here. Brenton, it's good to have you with us too. Nick, I think this series of studies are going to be absolutely exciting and it's a pleasure to be part of the panel. Hello, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Nick. It's always a, a, always a pleasure. Len, thank you for being part of this discussion. Yes. Hello, listeners, and we're glad you've joined us today. Lija, it's good to have you with us too. Yes, thank you, Nick. It's a joy. It's a blessing to study God's Word. Well, thank you for uh, being part of this discussion, and in particular, I would like to thank you for um, taking extra time Preparing this uh, Bible study you are going to facilitate today. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Nick, and I want to welcome you too. <laughs> the Psalms, of course, is a book for all seasons, and I think we're going to have a good time with it. Absolutely right. And uh, one of the favorite of many people. But let's uh, start to look into it um, today. Will, would you be able to take us through, please? Certainly, Nick. Chuck Misler writes, Psalms is Israel's hymnal. It is poetry laced with strong theology. Its history instructs. Its law teaches. Its prophecy announces, rebukes and chastens. Its morality persuades. Psalms is the medicine and support for the comfort and encouragement of us all. They are written to the individual, all of us, individually. Jesus said that the Psalms spoke about him. Christ's birth, betrayal, agony, death, resurrection, ascension, coming again in glory, and his worldwide reign. All are pictured in inspired vividness. They constitute irrefutable testimony to the divine inspiration of the scriptures. Now, I think our time with the Psalms is going to be well spent, but before we start, let's ask Jo if she could pray for us. Certainly. Father, we thank you for new beginnings and we thank you for your word, and in particular the book of Psalms, which we'll be studying for the next number of weeks. Speak through your word to us. We, we ask that you be the teacher and that this discussion will be a blessing to all who may tune in. Help us all to take something away from the study to apply to our own lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm, amen. 
Many are inclined to view, view the book of Psalms simply as ancient poetry or prayers and songs. But I'd like to ask, how can we call the Psalms scripture? We can find in Luke chapter 24, verse 44 and 45, and it says, Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. So I think God in the Psalms book speaks to us, to his servants that wrote the book by his spirit. And uh, I observe that in the Psalms, the writers of the Psalms are David, Moses, Solomon, sons of Korah or Asaph. And uh, it's very interesting that the book of Psalms speak for us and with us. And uh, Jesus, the apostles and the writers of the New Testament cited the Psalms and referred to them as scripture. They are uh, surely the word of God as are the books of the Genesis and Romans also. So the book of Psalms is called scripture. And also we can be encouraged. We can be, we can use actually this encouragement of the words in, in praise to God, in joy, in sorrow. Um, in despair, we can use it as hymns and prayers uh, because it's a, it's a, it's a scripture. Yes. So, panel, are there any other examples in the Bible of Psalms being considered authoritative scripture? Well, uh, well, there is um, another example in Mark chapter twelve, verse ten, where Jesus was speaking to the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders who were questioning his authority so that he spoke to them in parables. And one of the parables was about the wicked vine dressers, where Jesus quotes Psalm 118, verses 22 and 23, and says there, Have you not even read this scripture? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in their eyes. So Jesus is telling them that they are the wicked vine dressers because they are rejecting him, Jesus, who is the chief cornerstone, which the builders rejected. Yes, and he calls it scripture. Interesting, he uses that term. Lynn. Okay, when Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness, wow. Satan quoted scripture where it says, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you'll not strike against your foot against a stone. And Jesus replied, do you know that there are 116 quotes that Jesus used coming from the Psalms? That's amazing. Joe? Well, an interesting one is where in John 10 where Jesus uses a psalm, which they would have been very familiar with, to diffuse a potentially very volatile situation. And I'll read um, verse 34 and 35. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law? I have said you are gods. 
if he called them gods to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be set aside. Now, firstly, here Jesus is referring to the book of Psalms, Psalm, in particular Psalms 82, referring to corrupt judges or corrupt servants of God. And if I can give it a quick read so we get a feel for the context, it says this in, in Psalm 82. God presides in the great assembly. He renders judgment among the gods. How long will you defend the unjust and show partiality to the wicked, defend the weak and the fatherless, uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed, rescue the weak and needy, deliver them from the hand of the wicked? The gods know nothing. They understand nothing. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said, you are gods. You are all sons of the Most High, but you will die like mere mortals. You will fall like every other ruler. Rise up, O God, judge the earth, for all the nations are your inheritance. Pretty powerful words. And you will notice that this psalm refers to them as gods with a little g in the sense that they belong to God as his children. And I refer particularly to verse 6 where it says, you are gods. And then he clarifies by saying, you are all sons of the Most High. Now, going back to John, where Jesus um, addresses the Jews at the Festival of Dedication, where his opponents have picked up stones ready to stone him for saying, you know, that the Father and I are one. Jesus answered them, is it not written in your law, I have said you are gods? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and then and scripture cannot be set aside, what about the one whom the Father set apart as his very own and sent into the world? Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy? Because I am God's son. Now, here Jesus is saying that if these corrupt servants of God were called gods, why on earth can't he say that he too is the son of God? And here Jesus neutralizes their argument and the situation where they were ready to stone him for saying that the father and he were one, they were not sure what to say after that. They had to go away and give it some more thought. Did and could Psalm 82 apply to them? Is this what Jesus was saying? I imagine they dropped their stones and rocks and went away, just like the accusers of Mary did when they were going to stone her. They left ashamed, having had their own sins exposed. So here, Jesus is using Psalm, the book of Psalms, this particular Psalm that they would be possibly singing um, in their services to say, well, here, Hold up, holds up the mirror to them and um, leaves them thinking about what they were doing and who Jesus was and what, you know, just time to reflect on themselves. Hmm. That's very insightful. Thank you, Joe. Nick? Yes, there are many passages in the Bible, as uh, Len pointed out, which um, Jesus uh, spoke about the book of Psalms. Now, you may wonder why Jesus was using the psalms when he was talking to his disciples and his audience you know the psalms was a very important passage or a a book if you like in the hands of the jewish people because almost daily they will use psalms and and for praising god and worshiping god they will use psalms and it's almost like how can you praise God, you bring glory to your God, and you don't know the truth 
of the gospel, of the Bible. And he mentions also here in uh, John, in the gospel of John, uh, chapter 13, in verse uh, 18. This is a special occasion when Jesus was sitting with his disciples, uh, the supper, and uh, he tells them uh, quite a few things about himself. And in particular, he predicts his betrayal here. And in verse 18, he says, uh, I'm not saying these things to all of you. I know the ones I have chosen, but this fulfills the scripture that says, the one who eats my food has turned against me. Again, Jesus is calling the book of Psalms scripture. And he's referring, of course, here to Psalm 41, verse 9. Yes, and he's actually here proving that uh, Psalms has prophetic aspect to it as well. Mm-hmm. Then there are, there are some special times, of course, when Jesus quoted the Psalms. But there's one that jumps out at us as a very significant situation. Could you take us there? Luke 20, verse 42. Yes, I'd be very happy to do that. But I'd like to share something first. When anybody quotes, like if they're doing a significant paper or something like that, I myself have written a thesis. When you quote, You quote from reliable sources. When Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness, what did he do? He he replied to the devil from the scriptures. And here we have a situation which existed with the Jewish leadership who would not accept Christ as the Christ. They were looking for someone else. So one day, and I'm going to read to you from Matthew chapter 22, verses 41 to 45. It's also recorded in Luke chapter 20, but I'll read from Matthew. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? Oh, the son of David, they replied. He said to them, How is it then that David, speaking by the Spirit, calls him Lord? And he requotes, For he says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until you put your enemies under your feet. Then if David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? And of course they couldn't answer that question which was their usual style. If they couldn't answer, they just didn't say anything. And uh, So why is this important? You see, these Jews did not accept Jesus as divine, as the promised Messiah. And I want to read something here which is very interesting. This question is critical because in that culture, fathers never called their sons Lord. Sons could call their fathers Lord. Fathers never called their sons Lord. Mm. Jesus drew attention to his own deity because in Psalm 110 verse 1, from which he quoted, 
He is saying that God the Father said to my Lord Adonai, sit at my right hand. But that would mean the Messiah is to have power and authority sitting at the right hand of God himself. Therefore, David would rightfully call him Lord. But Jesus here is pointing to himself, showing how he has a great position of authority next to God the Father and how he is greater than the ancient King David. You know, there are people these days who do not accept the deity of Christ. Some say he was a great teacher and a great healer and all that, but they refuse to accept his deity. This particular uh, section of scripture I read from, including Luke chapter 20, verse 42, shows how that Christ is indeed of of divine nature, that David called him Lord. And this is a quote from Psalms. Yes, I think there is a question worthwhile asking in passing. You know, Ledger hinted that David didn't write all the Psalms, as many people think. So can we call them inspired poetry and songs for all time? In other words, are they just as relevant today? Yes, I believe they are. Will, we know for sure that 73 of the 150 Psalms were written by David because at the um, entrance to the Psalm or at the beginning of the Psalm, you actually find um, a Psalm of David or words to that effect. And it's possible that another two Psalms were written by David as well which would give you a a 50% success rate, if I can use that term, or 50% of the authorship of the 150 Psalms virtually have been written by David. What is important about this? Obviously, he didn't write all the Psalms, but I'm going to refer to just two in my answer. Psalm 22 is probably one of the most messianic Psalms that there actually is. And it starts out with this statement, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so so far from helping me and from the um, listening to my groaning? Now, Christ quoted that on the cross. Amongst the seven sayings of Christ when he was hanging on the cross, a number of those sayings come direct from the Psalms will, and they're Psalms written by David. Now, in verse 16 and 17, it says this, it says, for dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. Now, whilst David is in Psalm 22 actually talking about his own situation, you can see just by the couple of verses that I've quoted, it goes far beyond anything that David suffered. David's hands and feet were not physically pierced. The Messiah's hands and feet were physically pierced. Then I go over to another very interesting psalm that well, we don't read very often, Psalm 109. It's often called the Judas or Iscariot's uh, psalm. And in verse 7 it says, When he is judged, let him be found guilty, and let his prayer become sin. Let his days be few, and let another take his place. Now, that finds its corollary. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 20, after Judas has uh, taken his own life, 
and Christ has returned to heaven, Peter says, you know, there used to be 12 of us. Now there's only 11 of us. It is necessary for someone to take the place of the one who went to the place where he was going. Once again, quoting a psalm. Now, these is, these just the few examples I've given you are direct quotes from David's psalms. So can we call them inspired? Well, we can on the basis that Christ himself quoted them. And that gives validity to the fact that when we started our study, and you read from Luke chapter 24, I think it was, about the, the walk on the road to Emmaus when he talked uh, to the two men, one of whom's name was Cleopas, on the way, it says that he quoted from the Pentateuch, from the prophets and from the Psalms. Now, some of the very ones that I've just quoted, plus many more, I'm sure he used to paint a full picture of the role of the Messiah, as found right from the days of Genesis, right through to what had just, just happened. So it's absolutely essential, in my view, that we accept the Psalms of David, along with the other Psalms, as just as much scripture as the book of Revelation uh, the book of Philippians, the book of Romans, or any of the other uh, books of the of the Bible. Yes, um, I think that we sometimes look upon the Psalms just as uh, hymns and prayers. Yes, yes, it has exactly. the prophetic nature and uh, very full of theology. Yes, uh, Len. Yes, well, we have some backup to that particular point of view. Second Timothy three sixteen mm-hmm. says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And the Psalms are part of the scriptures and Jesus referred to them specifically rather than in a general sense. He referred to them specifically. So on that basis, we must accept the Psalms as being inspired by God. Yes. Lydia? The Psalms. Some are composed by the temple musicians who are also Levites, by Asaph, uh, by the sons of Korah, by Haman, the Ezrahite, by Ethan, the Ezrahite. So as it was mentioned that they were also inspired by God and used their talents and service to God, to their community of faith. Mm. How do you respond to that, Brenton? I agree totally with what she said, but here's something else to to add to that, Will. Uh, I'm starting to see personally, and I'm giving a personal testimony now, I'm starting to see the Psalms in a whole different light. You can look at them as praise, you can look at them as worship, you can look at them as cries for help, you can look at them from all perspectives. But you know what? The more you study these Psalms, you realise they are as just as up-to-date in 2024 as when they are written. The issues, the emotions, uh, the praise, the joy, the thanksgiving, the sorrow, all of the experiences recorded in the book of Psalms are just as relevant today as then. So therefore we should look at them not just through the prism of when they were written uh, up to about the 5th century BC, we should look at them as applicable to us today. I've found myself uh, when I'm down in the dumps about something, reading some of the Psalms, particularly Psalms 34 
Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. There are so many Psalms that speak to your situation that if you really apply them to yourself, they can be of great benefit. And they're also something that you can share with others when they're going through those experiences. And Nick? Yes, just um, a bit further on this uh, thoughts here. Mainly, as we pointed out, the book of Psalms is uh, poetry and, you know, songs. But why was the book of of Psalms included in the biblical canon? Because there are others, other writings which are not included. And many people are even uh, pointing to the apocryphs, for example, and uh, there are other parts of writings which are not included in the Bible. And I think this is a good question because, as was pointed out, in the book of Psalms is not only the, you know, free expression of someone in poetry or in songs, but it's a prophetic book, as Will, you pointed out. And I think this is very important. Jesus said himself, I could tell you so many more things that even in this world cannot not comprehend this world. But uh, I will tell you what's important for you to know. And I believe the book of Psalms plays a very important role in uh, our Christian walk, in our journey with God. And let's Give a, a special attention this time as we are studying the book of Psalms and in particular, maybe how to read the Psalms. Yes, Brenton. Um, just something interesting, Will, that came to my mind. I wonder whether it's worth, I'm going to do this personally. I'm now going to read from Psalms 1 to 150 during the period that we're going to be studying these studies. Um, from the point of view, we believe that the Bible is all about the plan of salvation. You get the uh, creation and then you get the fall in chapter 3. In other words, very early in the Bible, we find man's fall. And right at the end of the Bible, we find man's restoration. I'm wondering whether it's worth reading the Psalms from the point of view to see how many times in those 150 chapters uh, the plan of salvation is brought out. Starting, we know that Psalm 1 through to 41 has its uh, genesis. It, it, it connects with Genesis and, and the Pentateuch. I'm just wondering, I'm going to start reading it from the point of view of trying to find references that would help me realize that maybe the whole plan of salvation mentioned in song is found in the book of Psalms. I reckon it would be an interesting study. The Psalms were an indispensable part of Israel's worship. For example, they were used in temple dedications, religious feasts, processions, as well as during the setting down of the Ark of the Covenant in Jerusalem. Psalms 120 to 134, for instance, also known as the pilgrimage songs, were traditionally sung during the pilgrimage to Jerusalem at the the three major annual festivals, which were the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Harvest, and the Feast of Ingathering. Now, also, the festivals of the new moon and the dedication of the temple, uh, the Passover feasts and ceremony, Psalm 113 and 114 were sung at the beginning of the Passover meal, and Psalm 115 to 118 at the end of the Passover. 
And finally, Psalm 145 to 150 were incorporated into the daily prayers in the synagogue morning services. So there appears to be a psalm for every occasion. And I think it brings out the importance of the psalms. You know, when people would sing them and recite them, it would remind them of their history and how God has has guided them in their journeys. And I think it's a good thing to to try to memorize as we try to memorize scripture. So they use the Psalms also, I'm sure, to memorize God's leading and what it meant for them. Yes. I don't know how many of you actually watch uh, the Hope Hope Sabbath School. Um, (laughs) Derek Morris has his wife, Bodil, putting tunes to songs that are portions of Scripture that are 3,000 years old. You know, living in the 21st century, one cannot but wonder what the rhyme, the rhythm, the tunes of the Psalms sounded like. Verses put to music, of course, as you've said, are more easily memorized. Large portions of Scripture were sung as the children of Israel trudged through the wilderness. In fact, one writer says, as the children of Israel, journeying through the wilderness, cheered their way by the music of sacred song, so God bids his children today gladden their pilgrim life. There are few means more effective for fixing his words in the memory, as you've said, Jerry, than repeating them in song. I think it is valuable for us to see a little more of how Jesus used the Psalms personally. And uh, perhaps, panel, we can think of a specific occasion, which um, which was, it was vitally important for Jesus to um, have the backup of the Psalms. You want to tackle that for us, perhaps, somebody on the panel? When Jesus was tempted, he used a song from the Psalms. And... Uh, also, when sharp, stinging words were spoken, often when the, the atmosphere about him was heavy with gloom, with dissatisfaction, distrust, or oppressive fear, was heard his song of faith and holy cheer. So on that last sad night of the Passover supper, as he was about to go forth to betrayal and to death, his voice was lifted in the psalm. And he was reciting from the Psalm 113, verse 2 and 3, and he's saying, Blessed be the name of the Lord, from this time forth and forevermore, from the rising of the sun until the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy, because he turned his ear to me. I will call on him as long as I live. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the unweary. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return to your rest, my soul. For the Lord has been good to you. For you, Lord, have delivered me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. Also, this is from Psalm 116. Amidst the deepening shadow of earth's last great crisis, 
God's light will shine brightest and the song of hope and trust will be heard in clearest and loftiest strain. We can copy the example of Jesus. As uh, Brenton was mentioning, these psalms also relate to us as prayers and hymns express our emotions. So it's applicable to every generation. I agree. I agree, Ledger. We should put the words of the Psalms and other scriptures into our memories because they'll be a great encouragement to us. Len, you had a comment. Yes, I'd like to say this. As somebody who's spent a large portion of my life as an educator, the way to remember things is to use, uh, the best way to remember things, I should have said, is to use as many senses as possible. For example, you can read a line or a paragraph and you'll remember some of it. If you should then write that line or paragraph, you will remember it a lot better. Then, if it's in poetry, because of the rhythm of poetry, is another good way to remember and the ultimate way to remember is through song and we have some christian songs based on the psalms for example as the deer pants for the water so my soul longs after thee so it's easy to easier to remember when we use more senses and it makes good sense if there's something important you want to remember and I'm thinking of trying to put a lot more of the Psalms to memory is to do it with both poetry and song and more particularly to write it down. Yeah, good resolution that, Len. Nick? Yeah, I just want to um, emphasize on what Len was saying. Why not to give a special attention then, even as we study the book of Psalms, maybe to sing a bit more? about these psalms and recite them and uh, bring them alive more. Yes, we use them in special occasions and it's a favorite of many, but uh, let's have it a little bit more in our uh, attention for this period of time. Our dear friend uh, listening today, why not to also grab an offer which we have uh, today? We have a wonderful book here, What the Bible Says About. And this is also a series of Bible study, actually about 31 Bible studies, very important on, on different topics. Uh, and we can learn more about origins of sin and life after death, steps to Christ, angels, uh, Bible, and, you know, the, the Sabbath. And, you know, by having this book, it's also a marking plan that will help you to transform your own uh, Bible into a virtual encyclopedia of uh, biblical information that you can share with others. By using the simple color-coded uh, plan, you can follow key subjects through your Bible, learning and teaching what God's Word has to say about each important topic. Please send us a text message with the code S-A-B-S-3. This is the code you need to send. And our phone number is 
This is a wonderful book by Lonnie Melashenko. What the Bible says about. Don't hesitate to send us uh, the code SABS3 to 04820938383. By now we see that the Psalms cover all facets of human life. They make believers aware of the full range of human experiences and demonstrate that we can worship God in every season in life. Yes, with all of its ups and downs. Would you like to comment on how we categorize the Psalms and their scope for everyday living, Joe? Certainly. Uh, Psalms can be grouped in a number of general categories, and here is an attempt to classify them that someone has done. In them we see the following, Psalms that magnify God, and for those who aren't familiar with Psalm, the book of Psalms, it, it magnifies God for his majesty and power in creation. I'll give an example of Psalm 96. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks. So it praises God, his majesty and his power. Another category is Psalms that are thanksgiving in nature and they express profound gratitude for God's abundant blessing. And a good one is Psalm 107, which says, which says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. There are lamenting psalms that are heartfelt cries to God for deliverance from trouble. And there are many of those. Psalm 3, Oh, Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. So forth. Psalm 13, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will I hide, how long will you hide your face from me? Then there are the wisdom psalms, which are practical guidelines for righteous living. And a popular one is Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners and so forth. And how many have made life changing mistakes by not following counsel given in Psalms 1? And then there's a, they're the royal psalms that point to Christ, who is the sovereign king and deliverer, and they celebrate God as, as king. Psalm 93, the Lord reigneth, he is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed with strength wherewith he hath girded himself. The world also is established, and it cannot be moved. Thy throne is established of old, thou art from everlasting. Then there are historical psalms that recall Israel's past and highlight God's faithfulness. And psalms like Psalm 78, 105, 106, 135, 136 recount how God led them through the desert. Desert provided food for them. Now, one thing is important to remember, and that is that uh, no psalm is exclusively one type or another. Most psalms contain many of each of these as the writer pours their heart out to God. Um, and even though we may have lost some of the poetic richness through time and translation, the meaning has not been watered down. The promises have not been diluted. We can still benefit as God had intended. Yes, Joe, you've reminded us then that uh, one thing we can say of the Psalms is that it remains the same today as when written uh, and recited a thousand, uh, thousands of years ago. That is the deeply moving experience that the believer and the heartfelt prayers inspired by the Psalms brings. 
Len, could you read Second uh, Samuel 23 verses 1 and 2 and Romans 8 verses 26 and 27 and comment on how these texts teach us about prayer. Yes, prayer in relation to our exposure, the book of Psalms. Yes, uh, well, I'll read now from Second Samuel 23 verses 1 and 2. It says, these are the last words of David the oracle of David, son of Jesse, the oracle of the man exalted by the Most High, the man appointed by God, the God of Jacob, Israel's singer of songs. The Spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. So here we have the last words of David saying how that God spoke through him, through his songs, and uh, those songs are recorded in the Psalms, at least the words are recorded in the Psalms, of how God inspired him and the things that he had to say. All right, now I read from Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Sometimes I feel I don't know what to pray and I've admitted to the Lord I want to I want to say something that's new and share with you but uh, I don't really know and I've thought to myself in view of the fact that we're studying the Psalms and many prayers are recorded in the Psalms I want to commit more of these to memory in order that when I feel that I've got nothing to say to the Lord I can use those as an inspiration for my own prayers. All the writers of the Psalms reveal one thing very clearly, their awareness of God's goodness and presence amid whatever they were experiencing. And uh, it was strengthening their hope while they waited for God to intervene, however, when he chooses to do so. I would like to propose that each member of the panel has their own favourite psalm, which has boosted their hopes and inspirations, especially in challenging times. Panel, would you feel free to highlight your favourite verses of the Psalms and share why they are so special to you? Well, I'd like to mention Psalm 19, uh, the sheer beauty of the language, and considering also that, of course, the Psalms weren't written in English, but even as they are translated, I find that's just a beautiful way that they have been translated. Anyway, Psalm 19 starts with the declaration. The heavens declare the glory of God and the skies reveal his handiwork. I'm just reading from a paraphrase here. It goes on to say, day after day they speak to us and night after night they reveal God's wisdom. They don't have to speak with words or sounds, yet their voice is heard everywhere and their words reach to the ends of the earth. In these same heavens, God made a home for the sun. In the morning, it comes out like a happy bridegroom. 
or an athlete ready to run a race. It arches from the one end of the sky to the other, and nothing can hide from its heat. You know, just that first section, Psalm 19, as I read it, has three sections. We start with the heavenly bodies, the stars, the sun. Nothing can hide from the stars or the sun. You can't miss it. It doesn't matter where you are in the world and at what time you've ever lived in Earth's history. I think of when God, in vision, brought Abraham out and he said, look up into the night sky and see if you can count the stars. Well, it's the same night sky that we look into with the same stars. Nothing's changed. There's a, there's a fantastic witness and testimony, a powerful witness. Then it transitions to, uh, from verse 7 to 11, it talks about the law and the testimony and the statutes and the commandments, the judgments and the respect of the Lord as being perfect, trustworthy, right, pure, fair and good, which essentially all reflects the perfect character of God. And finally, in the last little section, by way of contrast, David, and I see myself in that position, David gives an account, an honest assessment of his own flawed condition and his desire to overcome it with God's help so that this new and sanctified life may be pleasing to God. It really speaks to me personally that because I see myself very much as David saw himself. It's a psalm for all ages, I think. So do we we feel the same too. Lydia, you have a favorite psalm. Yes, of course, and I have many, not only one, but I would like now to mention only one. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the, the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So words of hope, assurance, encouragement in time of troubles. Yes. Oh, boy, what a, what a beautiful psalm. Joe? One of my favorite psalms is Psalm 46, simply because... Um, it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And even though the earth be removed and the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea and the waters roar and are troubled, the mountains shake. You know, in this troubled world, we could be in the middle of a catastrophe of global proportions, yet we need not be shaken and alarmed because God is a very present help in trouble, in difficulty, in confusion, when we have lost all perspective. Verse 7 promises that the Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our refuge. Mm, yes. God is a sanctuary in all aspects of life, amid the uncertainties, the vagaries. God invites us to be still and to know that he is God, invites us to be still, stop thrashing about, focus on what is really important. You know, when people panic, they hurt themselves needlessly, and God says, be still, I've got this. Yeah. And this is this is not only in the Psalms, but in Exodus 14, 14, when God's people are cornered, 
They are urged to hold their peace and stay calm. It says the Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. This means a lot to me because when I lose my footing and I'm feeling the stress and this is just normal life, this isn't anything terrible happening. I can take a deep breath and say to myself, calm down. You're not on your own. God is watching over you. You'll get through it. Stop thrashing about counterproductively. This isn't helpful. God is taking care of it. While this verse has other applications, I'm sure, this is the one that is the most meaningful to me. Be still. Hold thy peace. Know that I am God. Yeah, very valuable. Uh, Brenton? Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates night and day. For he is like a tree planted by the waters, whose fruit comes forth in its season, and whose leaves do not wither. And whatever he does will prosper, but the wicked are not so. They are like the chaff which is driven away by the wind. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of sinners or the ungodly shall perish. I uh, memorized that one, Will, because you know what? Ethically, you can't improve on that particular psalm. It describes every aspect of life, and it also talks about the judgment. It talks mm-hmm. about being ethically upright and, and righteous, but it also talks about the judgment. Then immediately there's a break after verse 3 in verse 4 where it talks about it contrasts the difference between the righteous who live upright and godly lives and the wicked who don't. Now, really, our world today can be summarized pretty well in Psalm chapter 1. I like the last verse. I like the whole thing, but for the Lord knows the way of the righteous. Um, If you were to apply that to other Psalms, Joe mentioned, be still and know that I am God. That means God's got it under control. Stop stressing, Mm. stop fretting. Just he knows your way. And if you continue in that path, you will stand with the righteous one day on the sea of glass. I think it's a great Psalm. Very encouraging. Nick? It's amazing that uh, quite a few of us uh, mentioned this uh, aspect of uh, be still. And my favorite um, psalm, it's Psalm 37. Verse 7 starts with be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not worry about the people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Mm. Now, we learn already today that uh, psalms are a source of blessing, hope, revival, and psalms also uh, can be used on any occasion and for any needs. This psalm 37 was many times suggested to me by my mother. Because uh, she knew uh, that I'm going through some difficulties in life. I've been walking astray many times and I didn't want to even know the Lord. But my mother will send me this psalm 
And let me just read a couple of more verses from verse 3. It says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust in him and he will help you. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn. And the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday. What a wonderful passage to be encouraged. And particularly when a mother thinks about her son, that he may be discouraged, that he may be, you know, with no hope in this life. Mm -hmm. What a wonderful passage of the Bible to be directed to. Why not to use the book of Psalms to send it to our beloved ones, to our friends, to our neighbors, who knows, and encourage them? Because in this world, we live in a very troublous times. And the books of Psalms, like for David, a man with many troubles, was a source of encouragement and blessings. Why not to be for me? And for you, my dear friend, listening today. That's good advice, Nick. Thank you very much. Len. Okay, well, my favorite one is from just one verse from Psalm 121, but it echoes the answer to some of the needs that have already been expressed. And I like it as it's expressed in the uh, message version of the Bible. It says, I look up to the mountains. Does my strength come from the mountains? No, my strength comes from God, who made heaven and earth and the mountains. Reminds me of the Apostle Paul, who said, when I'm weak, then I'm strong, because the Lord provides the strength that he himself didn't have. I look up to the mountains. Does my strength come from the mountains? No. My strength comes from God who made heaven and earth and the mountains. Of course, yes. Thank you, Len. Now, clearly there's a lot of spiritual instruction and encouragement in the Psalms. As we further delve into it this quarter, I know that each panel member and listener will be enriched and blessed by these inspired scriptures. And I want to ask Brenton to pray that this quarter's studies on the book of Psalms will be a blessing to us all. Father in heaven, we thank you for the Psalms. We thank you for the people who wrote them. We thank you that they reflect not only their joys and their sorrows and their struggles and their trials and their triumphs, They also mirror what we are going through in 2024. And they give us courage, they give us hope, and they give us a sense that um, as we read some of the Psalms, we recognise that sin sometimes seems to be um, seated on the throne and righteousness on the scaffold, as someone once said. But, Lord, we know that that situation is going to change. 
I thank you for these psalms, and I know as panel members and as listeners, if we delve into them with a prayerful attitude and a desire to know how these psalms have supported and sustained those who wrote them and apply them to our own lives, we know, Lord, that we can be richly blessed, but we can also develop the characters that you want us to develop, we can be more like Jesus in everything that we do. I would like to say, Lord, that the very last verse of the psalm says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. I pray, Lord, that as we go through these studies week by week, that we may praise you more and more till the day when we can actually praise you face to face as we stand on the sea of glass with those harps in our hands and the palm wreaths of victory in our hands and the crowns on our heads, and we can say, worthy is the lamb who was slain, to give honour and riches and glory to him. We look forward to that day, Lord. May the Psalms direct our mind towards that event that is coming soon. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, everyone, for your participation today. Yes, we can uh, go uh, over and over on this uh, wonderful book of Psalms, but we have quite a few weeks uh, ahead of us to look at this. And um, my dear friend, uh, please don't uh, forget <laughs> that we have an offer for you today and um, claim this one. It's uh, it's a book by uh, Aloni Melashenko called... Uh, what the Bible says about. You just need to send us a text message with the code SABS3. And the phone number, it's 0482098383. In the next study, we are going to learn from the book of Psalms how to pray. Teach us how to pray. I believe that will be a wonderful study. Until then, may God richly bless you and have a wonderful, safe walk in the footsteps of Jesus.